0: Greetings, this Lord's day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We need saving, amen? Amen. God's been very good to us in spite of the fact that we are sinners. We violate His law. But He has called us to worship Him as a holy God. There's kind kind of a difficult thing. The Bible says that God cannot abide the presence of sin, but somehow he calls us into his presence. The scripture says, though our sins are scarlet, he says that he can make them white as wool. Amen? Amen. Peter tells us to be holy as he is holy in all manner of conversation, which that... that King James word, there is our lifestyle and everything that we do and how we live our lives. But how many of us fall short of that? Yep. And you know what's funny is we fall short and we're not really living in difficult circumstances. Imagine if war were taking place or horrible things were happening, our lives were uh, difficult in many, many ways uh, that they're not. It's kind of, it should be easier, you would think, to. To be good when things are good for us. But it's still so so we look to the Lord and God's word instructs us what to do when we sin. Does it bother you when you sin? How do you feel? You feel just like, oh well, you know, hey, I'm a sinner, or do you just kind of like go, man? You know, you ever carry it around, you ever carry around the things that you do and You don't really talk about them. You don't tell other people about them. So today we're going to look to the Lord. We're going to look to his word to instruct us about what to do about our sin. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 19 where David prays and he asks God to cleanse him from sins and even from those secret things that other people don't know about. May this be our prayer today, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit under the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. He lists the laws, the statute, the testimony, and the commandments. These are the things we violate. God says don't do this, and we do this. God says to do these things, and we don't do them, and we violate them. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Those are generally the parts of Psalm 19 that everybody quotes in the last part. You almost forget it's there. But David, after declaring the glory of God and the glory of his word and the power and the purity of his word, he says this. He said, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me, he prays, of secret faults. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me and then shall i be upright and i shall be innocent from the great transgression and he closes with these words let the words of my mouth because just some things we say are sinful let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O lord my strength and my redeemer let us pray Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us, not just declaring your law, but teaching and instructing us. And when we break it, you have made provision to cleanse us from these great errors. Lord, you also preserve us many times from the sins that we would commit by uh, providing us a way out. And Lord, I pray today that we would look for that way in you. Lord, we come before you as your people Anxious for you to feed us from heaven because we hunger and we thirst after righteousness. But we're thankful to know that we who do this will be filled. We pray that as we uh, hear your voice speak to us today, that you would change us by your words as you changed the whole void that was into the world that we now live. We ask you in your son's name, in Jesus' name, all these things. And everybody said... Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. My text for my sermon today is Psalm 32, working our way through the book of Psalms. My goal is to try to do one psalm per week until we're done. Uh, So we made it to Psalm 32. And this is pretty interesting and exciting to me. Uh, The doctrines that we are confronted with each week. My sermon today is called, Blessed Are Those Who Confess. Everybody say that with me. Blessed are those who confess. Psalm 32, let me read my text for you today. A psalm of David, Meshel. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man into whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in the time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto thee. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble, and thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go and I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle lest he come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked but he that trusteth in the Lord mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It indeed, your commandments are holy. Your statutes are right. Your testimonies are pure and clean and good and they rejoice our hearts. We pray, O oh God, today as we hear your word that we would be convicted by it. Lord, that it would call us to action That we would not be forgetful hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. (laughs) Psalm 32 is about the need that we all have to confess our sins so that we may receive forgiveness. It may seem funny to you. It may be like praying. Praying may seem funny to you. The Bible says God knows what we have need of before we, before we ask Him, right? But what does He tell us to do? Ask to ask Him. Now God knows we need forgiveness and we know we need forgiveness and we know God will forgive us and is forgiving us but some, for some reason God's Word has something for us to do as we access God's forgiveness, and that is confess our sins. It is as straightforward as that. We sin, we all do, but in order to be forgiven by God and man, we need to confess our sins. This is harder than it may seem, especially when it comes to you actually doing it, or me actually doing it. I remember this episode years ago of Happy Days. Do you guys, anybody ever watch Happy Days New Year? Ken, or you guys, I guess people nowadays can watch it, you know, binge watch the whole thing, but uh, not binge, my binge, but I'm saying people can do that thing where they watch every Happy Days episode on planet Earth, you know. But there was this episode where Fonzie was wrong, you know, and and Fonzie, he's like, he needs to tell Mr. Cunningham that he's wrong. And he's like, I'm, you know. Do you guys remember that? He can't do it. It's hard. It's difficult sometimes to say that we're sorry or to say we were, we, were, we, were, we were wrong. But we need to do it. We need to confess it. That's what humility is. He's the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. humble. If you have a parent, if you have a wife, if you have a husband and they can't say they were wrong, you probably are not real happy about it all right i gotta be the one this time every time to say i'm the one that's wrong but you know they were wrong too they need to say they're wrong and we need to say we're wrong we need to confess we need to say I, steve i should have never done that and there's something very liberating about it as james said we should be slow to speak And quick to hear. David reminds us today that we should be slow to sin. But when we do, we should be quick to confess. That would make a good t-shirt, right? Slow to sin and quick to confess. Blessed are the confessors. Blessed are those that confess. John Piper, uh, you know, this is one of the things in technology that are interesting, Brother Andy. John Piper preached a sermon about this in 1980, you know, and you go online and click and you can hear him. That's a really long time ago, right? Isn't that like 500 years ago, like 1980? <laughs> I remember 1980, but, but his sermon was, How Not to Be a Mule. Very interesting. My sermon isn't going to be exactly that, but, uh, but it, is, uh, a, it was a sermon on the 11 verses of Psalm 32. So we're going to work through this chapter just these 11 verses but the thrust of the psalm is that we sin but we need to confess our sins to receive forgiveness and when we won't do it god will help us yeah yeah do you know god does not let his people just wallow and live in sin he loves us do you just let your kids do whatever did they just like run through the store and rip everything off the shelf and pick up hammers and bust them? Is that, is that the life you're going to let them live? I hope not. Or they're going to be in prison. Not living the, their best life. <laughs> right? So God loves us. He loves us. I love the way that, uh, that C.S. Lewis puts it. He loves us enough to not leave us the way we were when he found us. When we found a stray dog, if we want that stray dog to be able to lay in front of our fireplace at our feet with us, what do we got to do? We got to teach him to behave himself. He can't just go to the bathroom in the middle of our living room, right? He, he can't just jump up on our kitchen table and eat our food during dinner time. And really, we are somewhat like brute beasts who need to be shown some manners by God. And God sets the rules out here, so we'll get to it. Psalm 32, starting in verse 1, a psalm of David, approximately one half of all the psalms are written by David, 73 of them are written by him by name, and a couple of them, they're pretty sure they're continuations of other psalms that don't have his name on them, but they, so about 75, which is exactly half of the psalms of David, and so this is one of them. There's a word we have here. It's the first time we encountered it in the book of Psalms called a may When you see M-A-S-C-H-I-L, that's not how I would think to pronounce it, but I looked it up. You can do this nowadays. You look it up and they say it. May shell. You're like, ma shell. So this is a ma shell. And what a ma shell is, is, is a, uh, it's like a devotional. How many of you guys, anybody, some of the, my kids, they do these devotionals. You guys the daily devotional do that? this is a devotional on a subject uh, a may uh, there are um, I believe there are 13 of them let me look here in the Psalms Psalm 32 is the very first one but there are 13 of them that are devotionals on a subject and this subject is on confession and how we need to confess our sins so that's what it's about Smith's Bible Dictionary says that a, a, uh, a, a mashel is a psalm teaching wisdom on a certain subject or a meditation. 32 is the first one, but from Psalm 44 all the way to Psalm uh, 142. And there's a grouping of them in the 50s, Psalm 52 through 55. But there's a bunch of them. Um, sometimes a song is the best way to remember something, right? And I hope that when you're teaching your little kids things, I hope you're teaching them little songs. Do you guys do this? Don't think this is lowbrow. If not, this is good stuff. All right? wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Right. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the... House on the rock stood, right, right? And then the foolish man, right? And his house comes, crash. They're little songs. This psalm is kind of like that. It's kind of like we we do one at our table called Building Up the Temple. And we do our little, our our little fists are to remind us that we are the building blocks of the temple. And we say, building up the temple, building up the temple. Oh, we're building up the temple of the Lord. You, You guys ever do this at your house? building up the temple building up the temple because we're building up the temple of the lord and then we say everybody's name in the room i go liam won't you help us liam won't you help us because we're building up the temple of the lord and then liam has to say somebody's name and he goes who do you want to help you Liam?" valley won't you help us valley won't you help us because we're building up the temple of the lord come on pastor mark Mark, quit singing again get to preaching right and so we say this and the simple little song that we're singing though is reminding us that we all play a part in what goes on in our homes right We all are building up the temple, even little Liam and even little Val and dad. We all play our part. We play different parts. And so this song that David does in the song, and I'm not going to try to write you know a silly kid's version of it, but it's basically like you're really going to sin and you know you're going to sin, but when you do, you better not be stubborn like a mule, you know, and you better confess your sins because you need to confess to receive forgiveness. It would be a little song like that. So anyway. So David has a song, a meditation to help them remember to confess their sins. So he says this, he says this opening statement here, he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now this is true on a number of levels, but David speaks here of tangible blessings from God. He's saying a guy who does this is going to have a better life. Bad things that could happen to him are probably not going to happen to him because God is going to preserve him from them because you're going to find out that what happens when we sin is that God is faithful to bring bad things or things we don't like into our lives, just like you are faithful, I hope, Brother Steve, when Cyrus is misbehaving to bring something into his life (laughs) to help him remember the truth of obeying God the commandment to honor his mother. You know, if your child takes a swing uh, at you, I hope that he learns very quickly that that's bad. (laughs) That's bad. To be forgiven, though, is a wonderful blessing. Amen? In and of itself alone. It's not something we can earn from God. We need it from those also that we sin against, and they need it from us to heal from our hurts isn't that an amazing thing that someone who can done you have done you wrong 20 years ago you're still feeling it today and if they come to you and they say Andy do you remember that thing I did chances are guess what Andy's gonna remember it remember that time and Andy's like thinking what is happening right now like is this burden that I've been carrying around for all these years about to be lifted? And they go, when I said that thing, when I did that thing, I was wrong and I hurt you. Now what do you think Andy's going to go, it's about time you moron. (laughs) I hope he doesn't do that. What's going to happen inside of his heart is he's going to feel a lifting of a burden and so will the person who does it. There are people who the way that they deal with things is to act like they didn't happen. Let's just not mention it. Let's just not talk about it. Let's just move on. Well, that's not how we're made. We're not made to do that with God, and we're not made to do that with people. When things are wrong, they need to be confessed. They need to be addressed so that people can forgive you. I've had people want me, or you know, they want forgiveness, and we find out that really they didn't do anything at all. Or I didn't do anything at all. In the middle of the confession, you find out that it was all just a misunderstanding. I can't believe I did this, and I really upset you, and you were so mad. I'm like, about, what are you talking about? Oh, I knew you were mad. I knew. And here they were carrying around this thing where they believed they'd sinned against you, and all along you had no idea. And now they're like, what have I been carrying this around forever for? If I were to ask you all to write down one word on a piece of paper that explains how you feel when you confess your sins to those you've sinned against or even to somebody else. Maybe you can't bring yourself or maybe the person isn't here anymore. Maybe you can't find them. And you tell somebody, you go to Tim, you're like, Tim, you know, I really, really did this person wrong and I was terrible. If you were to write one word down, I think that most of the time, you know what that word would be? I think the number one reoccurring word would be unburdened. When you're like, oh. anybody know that feeling? You know, I believe that confession is for us. God knows we do what we do. What do we need? We need to admit it. To confess it. To address it instead of forget it and ignore it as though it wasn't there. Because when we do that, it's like it doesn't matter. Oh, It matters so little you don't remember, so little that you never bring it up, so little that you don't even ask forgiveness. You care this little? That's kind of what we go through. That's how we feel when people don't ever address the things that they do to hurt us and when we don't address things to hurt other people. In this instance, our emotions are not betraying me. They're actual. This feeling of unburdenedness apparently is a reality in the spiritual world. We need to confess to be forgiven. It says it. And I'm going to show you some scriptural references to it. If you follow crime news, you will see that again and again, some of the worst criminals in history, when they finally admit it, it was me. You can watch them. Their shoulders go, they're unburdened by their sins. Now David's going beyond man-to-man sin and he's teaching us that sin really is between men but it is as much between man and God. We think of our sins oftentimes as just being between people but our sins are between man and God. David's confession in Psalm 51 tells us this. If you remember, and I remember, Brother Steve, I remember reading it and being a little bothered by it really. But you can't really be bothered by Scripture. It's right every time, right? And so, so Andy, do you remember in Psalm 51, he comes to the point where he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I'm thinking, uh, uh, yeah, right. What do you mean? He had sinned against Uriah the Hittite by taking his wife and then against who knows how many people by involving them in his Uriah's murder he sinned against Uriah against Bathsheba but what did he finally come to in Psalm 51 against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight and in the same sense that we need uh, to confess our sins uh, one to another and pray for one another which the Bible tells us to do we need to confess our sins to God because He is the one we have sinned against. He's the lawgiver. It is His commands that we break and the behavior that He condemns that we often do. If God says that it is a sin for us to eat a certain tree, then when we eat from it, it's a sin. I mean, that's one of the funny things about the Garden of Eden. We understand that it's a sin to take a rock and whack someone in the head. We understand it's a sin to rip something out of somebody's hands and take it from them. But what's difficult is when God picks a tree and says, you can eat everything, but not that. Now, that doesn't seem like it ought to be a sin. And sometimes people even ask themselves, is that a sin about something? Why? Because it doesn't look like it's bad. That might have been what was hard for Eve. She's like, well, we can eat fruit. It's not like we're not supposed to eat. And... Uh, all the fruit we eat is good and and, and so wh- what's the big deal I'm just going to go ahead and eat it what's the big deal is God said not to that was it so when we disobey God's commands or we don't obey them uh, we live like what God says doesn't matter to us now I did this thing At my dinner table, I did it at the Hatfields. We had a neat visit with the Hatfields uh, the other night. I've been doing that. If you'd like a visit from me, uh, I come and visit sometimes in the evenings, hang out with you and your kids, and we had a nice time. But how many of you would like to help me? I need 10 people to raise your hand. You don't have to get up or come up here, but 10 people who are willing to name a sin. And, Heath, you're not allowed to name one. You already did one up here, and I didn't like it, so... I did this at my dinner table and we were batting pretty much 100% or pretty good on this. But who can name a sin? Come on, 10 people, real quick. Uh, Steve, name a sin. Oh, pride. Pride. Someone name a sin. Greed. Greed. Ungratefulness. Ungratefulness. Selfishness. Selfishness. Anger. Anger. Gluttony. Gluttony. <laughs> wow, this comes, somebody got excited. Someone, someone's hungry. All right, So so we're naming these sins, right? And you know what I thought was funny? I thought it was funny that when I was even doing this, that it's the way I think. I think it's the way a lot of us think. What we are naming are bad things that we're not supposed to do. That's what we believe sin is. But all of us, most every kid in this church, most every adult, can quote to you the definition of sin from the Westminster shorter catechism and that's not the definition of sin. Right? Sin is not doing the bad things the Bible says not to do. Is that what it says? Any who, who here, come on kids, raise your hand if you can quote it. What is sin? Sin, sin is any want of conformity unto or of the law of God. I love it. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So why would I ask the people at my dinner table and at the Hatfields, uh, in the Hatfields living room or here, when we name sins, we don't say, not loving your neighbor. Not honoring my father. Not remembering the Sabbath. Not loving the Lord with all of my heart, and soul and mine. In fact, we don't even think of those as sins and God stacks them at the front of the 10 commandments. In fact, he says that if you would do those, you wouldn't have to worry about all the rest of them. And yet, when we raise children who don't steal, who don't murder, who don't lie, we feel like they're pretty good kids. And we go, these are good kids. By our definition, because we have a different definition of sin than God. Because God's definition of sin is not when you do not do what God says to do, you sin against God. And this is rough. Because what we do is we raise our kids not to do bad things. And that's part of it. But that's only a little bit a part of it and i really think that if we would spend our times teaching our children how to love their neighbor if we were teaching their children how to uh, remember the sabbath and keep it holy you know the sabbath the, the lord's day is not just monday tuesday wednesday or thursday it's one day in six days shall you do all of your work but on the the seventh is a what it's a Sabbath to the Lord our God. We're supposed to remember it and keep it holy. How many people think when they don't remember the Sabbath and when they don't keep it holy, how many of you are thinking you're sinning? Not too many. We're just glad there's no large cheaters, stealers, killers. But the deal is, is that we sin. And anyway, I was just thinking about that. And I was thinking about, I think that maybe we go about it the wrong way. We emphasize the ones on the end and we haven't taught what we're supposed to do and we don't even think about it. We really think of sin as really only the transgressions and we don't think about the omissions. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. If God says it's a sin for us to eat, this or that, God says thou shalt not any number of things. If God tells us we must do something, any number of things, and we don't do it, we're sinning. When we're trying to live godly lives, trying to teach our children to do the same, we need to teach them that doing what God commands is as important as reminding our families of what we should not do. We watched uh, a movie called The Free Burma Rangers, and we watched another one called The Insanity of God. Uh, it's v- very rough, uh, but it's very Christian and very painful to watch. And the thing that inspired me in it, and I told my kids, I said, we watched the movie and it, and it we cried a lot. It's, a, it's painful to watch. There's people dying in the movie. Real people really dying. It's really rough. But this man, he went over there, and, and I'm not saying we should do what he does, but there are, there's people there fighting each other. And this army's trying to kill the people in this army. But there's these people that just live in houses. Imagine if there was a, a war right here, Annie, And... An army over here, the United States Army's over here, and uh, you know some rebel armies over here, and we're having church, and the guns start shooting and the bombs. Well, what are we supposed to do? Well, the armies can't really worry about us too much, and a lot of times people get killed, and this is happening all over the world. Well, this group said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go and help the people that are getting caught between, and we're going to save them. We're going to pull them out, and we're going to save them from being blown up by American bombs or. Burmese bombs or ISIS snipers or whatever and and so they go in there and we're watching this and these people are doing things that are like gut-wrenching they're seeing people die they're watching snipers shoot little children and they're going okay I'm gonna run over there and I'm gonna grab her and I might get killed doing it but I'm gonna go do it and what I was what, what was amazing to me about this was it's not the nobody went you know what this is a great movie you know what that guy didn't lie What a great movie. This guy didn't steal anything. Oh, what a great movie. This guy, you know, uh, didn't do that. No. What was great about it wasn't what he didn't do. It was about what he what? What he did. Every story in God's Word, every person that you think of that is admirable, that is inspirational, it's not about what they don't do. It's about what what they do. Jesus said, all of my commands can be fulfilled in, in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Now, when we sin, we need forgiveness. But When God forgives us because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we get even more than just forgiveness. We need it because if we didn't, we would be permanently cast from the presence of God into outer darkness. Now, that's bad, right? But do you know that's not all God does? God just doesn't say, okay, you don't go to hell. Okay, you're not going to have to pay for those sins. Jesus did. We get something more. We get forgiveness and we get covering. And I've talked about this covering more than once. And I've never heard anyone talk about this. And, and so I, I really think the scripture talks about this. And I, we talked about this at our dinner table last night. It's such an amazing thing to me that when we think of King David, the first thing we think of is he wrote the Psalms or he killed Goliath or what a, what a great man, a man after God's own heart. That's the first thing we think of when we think of David. Why don't we think of adulterer, murdering scumbag? Why? If you look at the entire Bible, David is the most elevated figure in Scripture besides Jesus. He's the most likable, right? Why is that? That's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. And it's because God covers his sin. How does he do it? I don't know how he does it, it's amazing. What if we covered each other's sins like that? What if we loved each other and instead of characterizing each other by the bad things that we've done, if we lifted up the beautiful things that God had done with us and through us in our lives? We talked about this recently. The idea starts in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. They needed forgiveness and now that they were naked and they were in the land of sin, they also needed what? They needed covered up. So what do they do? They tried to do it themselves. Can we achieve forgiveness? Everybody say no. And can we cover our sins? Everybody say no. no. So how does that happen? Well, it happens by God. God forgives us and he covers us as well. Saul did not take a noble warrior's wife to be his own wife, impregnate her, but, and then lie about it. Saul did nothing of the kind. Incidentally, it's what Saul didn't do that got him in trouble. Do you remember when he came and Samuel's there? He addresses Samuel. He walks up to Samuel and he says, I have performed the command of the Lord. you guys remember this? And then Samuel goes, uh, if you did, why am I hearing sheep? Why am I hearing oxen lowing? What's going on here if you did it? He would not confess his sins. This is the problem with Saul. Saul could have done wrong, confessed his sin, fallen, contrite before the Lord and said, what do I need to do? But what did he do? He lied about it over and over and refused to repent. And he only repented when basically Sam is like, God has ripped the kingdom out of your hands today. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, 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 I did it. I did it. You're right, you're right, you're right. Folks, that's, confession isn't the same when you're dragged to it, right? What happens when you commit a crime uh, and they ask you, did you do it? You're like, nope, I didn't do it. And they try you and they find out, and whatever, and, and you didn't do it, you didn't do it, and you, you didn't do it. And finally, when they get incontrovertible proof that you did it, you finally go, well, yeah, I did it. He's like, can I get leniency for confessing? Like, no. No. You're only confessing to what I can absolutely 100% prove that you did. That isn't the same thing. Saul did nothing of the kind, but what he wouldn't do is that he would not confess his sins. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. And God does both of these things. Verse 2. As we move to verse 2, David restates what he has said in verse 1 and he expands it a bit more in what it means to be forgiven by God. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord imputes not iniquity in whose spirit there is no guile. The man, the forgiven man, the covered man is no longer guilty for what he has done. The Lord does not impute. He does not credit it to his account. It's like he's never done it before brother Chris isn't that amazing that what you've done in your life that is sinful it's like you didn't do it that's amazing to me that's amazing to me the man is no longer hiding like Adam and Eve hid He is honestly bringing uh, bringing his sins to the only one who can do anything about them and that is God and that's what it means when it says in whose spirit there is no guile People won't, they won't even confess to God what they've done. Only God can forgive and only God can cover and only God can remove them from our account. People of God, this is some wonderful, wonderful news. Verse 3, we learned that confession is what he needed to do in order to be forgiven. We heard the Apostles John's words on the subject from 1 John 1, when Andy read our New Testament reading today, and, and we'll look at it again here, but let's look at a few others. So Proverbs 28.13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, Proverbs are practical. So, think about this in terms of your kids, Steve. Do ever kids ever come and admit they did something wrong? It's a little different than when they're caught, Right? It's a big deal, you know. I've I've had we, we early on some of our. I remember some of the girls. They would come to the room and they would go, eh, ah, and they would fall, and then they would go. I did this thing; it was terrible. And, and I'm like, and 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 we would generally hug them close and look at each other and giggle, like, like, you know, and we knew that this was not laughing matter for them, but like it was funny kind of to us. Like this is so dramatic, you know, and but. But like we can't, it's not time to discipline them now. They've confessed it. We've got to show, we've got to treat them like God treats us. God doesn't deal with us according to our sins. All right, you did it. I'm bringing the hammer down. Bring me the belt so I can beat your hind in. mean, that's not the time to do that. Jeremiah chapter 3, uh, verse 11. And the Lord said unto me, if you read Jeremiah 3 and you can read it, he's, Uh, Jeremiah is listing the sins of the people and God begins to speak here and God tells Israel after he has explained to them how they're sinning against them, what they need to do about it. Jeremiah 11. And the Lord said, the backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. So what's happening? Uh, Israel's saying, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I mean, I don't know what you're mad at me for. Right? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Israel has justified herself more than treacherous Judah. So he says this, Go and proclaim these words to the north. Say, return thou backsliding Israel. I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord. I will not keep anger forever. Here's what he asks in verse 13. Only acknowledge your iniquity that thou hast transgressed the Lord and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and have not obeyed my voice. So these guys had done some bad things. Apparently they had done them under palm trees. Okay, It's as simple as that. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married to you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He tells them, if you admit your sins, if you confess your sins, instead of lying about it and saying that you're not doing them, You know what he says he's going to do? I'm going to take you and I'm going to take you and return you to Zion. And I'm going to, verse 15, I will give you pastors according to my heart who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. What God had done to them is he had sent them some nasty dudes who took advantage of them. Why did he do it? Because they were a lying bunch of unconfessed sinner bunch of heathens is what they were doing. People that pretend to be righteous and pretend not to sin and pretend that they're holy, God will send people to help you with that. Romans 10:10, 10, 10, "For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. James chapter four, verse 14, Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. He's explaining how this will happen. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The context of James chapter 4 is that discipline has come to people in the form of sickness. And if they would come and say, all right, it's me. I did it. I was wrong. I realized God is judging me and disciplining me. And here's what I've been doing. The Bible says God would heal them from these sicknesses that had come upon them. If they would only confess their sins. But it's too hard. We go, I'm not telling nobody. I'm not even speaking. I'm not letting anybody know. I'm keeping my sins to myself. If anybody found out about that, that's what we want to do. And God says, don't be a hypocrite don't be a deceiver don't pretend you are what you're not say it out loud what you're doing confess it you have children with a tender heart who confess their sins to you you should encourage that you should show them mercy and love kids you confess sins now if you're pragmatic kids and you just want to get away with sin yeah the lord will see your heart but kids if you're carrying sins around grown men if you're carrying sins around don't keep them to yourself you need to confess them And you need to forsake them. That is how you receive forgiveness from God. 1 John 1.7 If we walk in the light, He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This is an amazing passage. Verse 8 If we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, and that word if, I looked it up. It's not just thrown in there for convenience. This is something that God requires. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's building on this doctrine from the Psalms. He's building on the doctrine from Proverbs and from the prophet Jeremiah. This is what God requires. He can requires confession of our sins. Remember what David did? David did when he did his sin, what did God do? He said Nathan the prophet, you know how humiliating that must have been? He thought nobody knew. So God, he wouldn't confess it, so God sent someone who did know. He tells him a story. He gets angry. How dare anyone steal someone's little sheep? The man who did that shall surely die. Roar! And he's like, yeah, that's you. And then David's like, whoop! Okay, I'm ready. See, David deals with this in this song. When I kept my mouth shut, he says, when I would not confess, when I pretended I didn't do it, when I lied about my sin, God dealt harshly with me, and he treated me like you treat a mule that won't listen. And he hit me upside the head with a 2 before. You've probably seen something like that on the farm, Heath, right? They won't listen, but for their own good, what do you do? You whack them, right? You know, you don't have to get whacked. But if you won't get in the barn, if you won't get out of the road, if you won't confess your sins, God sees fit to love us enough to bring our sin out in the light of day and humiliate us. Well, that'd be terrible. Might be the best thing that ever happened to any one of us. If we remember, Saul would not confess and instead repeated several times that he didn't. But what did David do? He did confess When confronted by God through Nathan the prophet, he did it the hard way, but still yet, he did it. Here in verse 3, we'll see the result of keeping our sins to ourselves and not confessing them. He says in verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Everybody say, this is when David was like a mule. You see, a mule doesn't understand. If, if the train's coming to run him over, does he understand what a train is? Does he understand that he's about to be run over? No, he doesn't understand. He just understands he don't want to move. He don't want to do it. And this is what David said. When I kept silence, I was it was killing me. My bones waxed old, my roaring all the day long. It's what we do. When we're wrong... And we don't confess it. Sometimes we go around going, tell me. Who do they think they are? I'm not saying I'm not wouldn't tell me. And I'm yeah, blah, 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 blah. that's what he's talking about. Roaring all the day long. I tell, I'm not saying I'm I didn't do anything. I don't know. I'm I, didn't, I didn't. is anybody ever get this? <laughs> what happens? The longer you don't confess and the longer you swallow down your own sin and you become a hypocrite, what happens is you get matter and matter all the time. That's what happens to you. Verse 4, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Why? God loves us. It's called conviction. Not talk too much about in the Christian world today. You feeling convicted, brother? Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I'm not feeling conviction. Conviction about what? I never did anything. I didn't do anything wrong. Why would you think I would do anything wrong? You think I would do something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one of the Jane Austen's, thou protestest too much, Right? <laughs> I can't believe you would think I would do anything like that. It just, it breaks my heart that you would even, yeah, yeah. Someone's been touching a sore spot, right? Oh, yeah, no, no, I would never think you'd do anything like that. Uh, really. <laughs> Day and night, my hand was upon me. What happens to people who carry around their own sin is they get angrier and they get agitated. And when you go near them, they're like, oh, you know, and you're like, wow, man, what's wrong with him? No, I just got a headache. Yeah, you got a headache because you're carrying a head full of sin. That you need to confess, grumpy people, angsty people. What's wrong with them? What's wrong is they're sinning and they don't like it. What they're wrong is they're sinning and they're not confessing it. What they're doing is they're sinning. They don't want to talk about it. Why? Because we don't want to talk about it. I've let God down. I've let you down. I've done horrible things. I'm bad. I'm I'm roped up in this sin. I can't seem to get out of. You don't want to say that. Well, they're going to think this about me, and they're going to think this about me, and I'm not going to say anything. Folks, I'm telling you right now, confess your sins and you will be blessed of God. Don't lie about them because if the devil can get you alone with your sin, he can bind you up and he can lock you up and he can make you his little prisoner. But when you confess it in the light of the day and say, like David, I'm the man. I did it. You know, I would have thought in the story what would have come next is that God would say, yeah, and I'm removing the kingdom from you. But he doesn't. It's amazing. But what's wonderful about Psalm 51, when you go through it, David doesn't pray that he wouldn't, have the, be, not, wouldn't be the king anymore. He prays that God would break his bones. He said, Lord, I pray that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Lord, and what I ask is that you don't take your Holy Spirit from me. What did Saul say? Saul said, could you honor me before the people? Oh, no, 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 don't remove the kingdom David never asked for God to do anything like that in his written confession. And then he not only writes it as a confession, he then publishes it in all of Israel and they sing about it and everybody knows what the song's about. This is the psalm that we sing about how David slept with Bathsheba, made a baby, the baby died, and he had her husband killed. All right, let's stand and let's sing. (laughs) What on earth would we do with that level of confession? What would we do? Let's stand everybody today and we're going to sing about how we're wretched, you know. I kicked the dog. I yelled at my wife. I won't say the things that we probably actually are doing that we wouldn't want to sing about. What David sang about we wouldn't want to be said we did. But in many ways we've done them. When David was stupid and stubborn like a mule, like a dumb beast, God treated him like one. How many of you want to be treated like a dumb beast? I don't. I try to tell my kids, I don't know if you ever do this, and, you know, I, we believe in discipline. We certainly don't beat our children, but we do discipline them according to God's Word. But I tell my kids, I'm like, you know, the Bible says that this discipline is for foolish children. You don't need this. They're like, you're crying. I'm like, I'm like I don't ever want to discipline you ever. I don't enjoy this. I don't like this, but God's Word says that's what we should do. But But... You don't need this except when you're stupid. If you want to do this, you know. When David was stupid and stubborn like a mule, God treated him like one and dragged him through Nathan the prophet to a confession. I'm sure at other times he sinned and he pretended he didn't. His rough treatment from God was a gift to him to save him from himself. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Everybody say this. I'm going to humble myself. The Bible says if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you. He will lift you up. People who confess their crimes Get lighter sentences. Confession is evidence of repentance and humility. How you treat your children when they come to you, when you confess is important because how does God treat us? He forgives us. It's not time to be angry with them and punish them. What do you do when you come to somebody and you tell them you're sorry and they go, yes, you did. You really hurt me and it's really upsetting and I can't believe you did it and I'm so mad at you and I don't even know. And you're like thinking, I wish I would have never even come to begin with. (laughs) Like I got to get beat up right now for confessing it sort of makes me not want to do it now that doesn't mean you don't do it anyway but but it's kind of like this we need to make it easy for people to do what god's word says that we should do so it may be difficult for you to not to you to really beat up on somebody when they come confessing their sins but god's word says that confession brings liberty it's time to show mercy in verse five we can see how david said it worked with him Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin, my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. How did he know it? Well, he's still the king. And God didn't kill him. Yeah, he did lose the baby. but, but, But did God destroy his throne? Did God end it right there? No, he didn't. Blessed are the confessors. We often think that the consequence of people knowing our sins... Is worse than it actually would be. The consequence of keeping your sins to yourself, not talking about them, not confessing them—they're far worse. Blessed are those that confess. a burden is lifted when we open our mouths to acknowledge our guilt before we're thrown on the ground or our arm is twisted behind our backs, and then we say, "Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I did it." It's a whole lot better to do it the other way. Here in verse 6, we get our first imperative. What we must do. Everybody say imperative. So we want to be forgetful hearers. No, we want to be what? We want to be doers. Verse 6 gives us something to do. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in time when thou mayest be found. So we need to be slow to sin and quick to confess. Everybody say quick to confess. God I send, wife I send, dad I send, pastor I send, elder I send. He says, surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto Him. Everyone that is godly should confess their sins to God sooner than later before God brings judgment upon you. David realizes this, and I love this, uh, this picture and I love the words he chooses in verse 7 thou are my hiding place so what is it that we are doing when we're not confessing what are we doing we're, we're hiding we're being like Adam and Eve in the garden we, we've gone and we've hid from God and we've gotten some fig leaves and we've thrown them on ourselves and we, this, this is going to work did it work for them no they had to come out God had to, get, God had to be the one to cover them they acknowledged their sin and God helped them with it Isn't that where we want to be? We don't have to hide from God like they did. We can come into the light and be forgiven and to be covered. Instead of hiding, He will be. See what He says here? He says, thou art my hiding place. He's saying, I don't want to hide my sin. I want you to hide me in you. He will be our hiding place. He will cover our sins. God's people can and will join in this work. I love how the people of this church know the sins of the other people in this church and you can just love them anyway. They're not known as that person. Sometimes we're like, I don't want to be known as that person. I don't think you have to be in a a house full of people that love God. He covers our sins. God's people can join in this work. The church should be a safe place where we cover one another, where we know about each other's sins and weaknesses and we cover them with love. Because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. And covering sin is just not, not talking about it. That's not what covering is. It's not just hiding it. There's ways to cover it. I was explaining it at my dinner table last night. There's a way to do it. When, uh, when one brother sins against a sister or against another brother, he can go to them privately and they deal with it and they don't talk about it with anybody. That's, that's one way to do it. But this other way of covering the way that God does this, this is something we can participate in. You know, we may know that Caden is a, you know, whatever Caden might be. Right? And what we can say is, you know what? This is, this is our Caden. Right? You, you guys know him better than anybody. And you could, you could label him uh, XYZ, but you could also go, you know what? My Caden, he's going to be a good man of God. You know what? He, he, yeah, you don't go, yeah, he dishonors us half the time. No, you know what? I really love it the way he honors his mother. There's a way we we should speak of each other. We should think of how we use our words. We should build them up. Do you know when we tear down our husband, we're really tearing down our own house? When we tear down our wife, we're tearing down our house? When we tear down our brothers and sisters, we're like, wow, so your brother's a moron. He must be like you. In verse 8, God begins to speak. This This is interesting. In the song they're singing, they're singing about forgiveness, they're singing about confession, and God enters the psalm in verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eye. When we sin, we often find ourselves saying to ourselves, when we are alone with our guilt, what do we say? We go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right? God says, I have that answer for you. I will guide you. I will show you where you need to go. Not only am I going to forgive you, not only am I going to cover you, but I'm going to counsel you. Amen? Amen. When we sin, God has the answers for us today. We confess. He will instruct us and tell us on the way to go. He'll guide us with the light of His gaze. He doesn't just give us protection. He gives us direction too. And we're not just saved from something. We're saved to it. He offers us care and counsel and protection and direction. Verse 9 reminds us of how not to be. It's our second imperative. We receive one. Pray, confess. Number, number, verse 9, our second imperative. There's only three in the, in the thing. Be not as the horse or the mule which have no understanding whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee. Do you really need to be bridled? Do you really need to have a bit shoved in your mouth? Do you know how unpleasant that is? Now, they're just, they're just animals, right? But could you imagine a metal thing stuck in your mouth like that? You know, That's why they go, oh, it's a good horse. Well, he doesn't want his teeth ripped out. You know? and, and he doesn't like that. It's painful. But he's a beast. He doesn't know any better. That's what, that's what he you got to do. Do you want to be like that? God's like, you don't have to be like that. You can willingly submit, willingly confess, willingly trust me. And I am trustworthy. That's what God says. God says, don't be like the horse. Don't be like the mule, mule that have no understanding. Trust me. Don't be drugged with a bit in the bridle to go the right way. Go willingly. The mule doesn't come when it's called. It has to be dragged. And I once, a cow got away from me, and I had to go, and I tried everywhere in the world to drag that thing back to our house, and it wouldn't go. It would have been eaten. It would have been killed. It would have been a run over on the freeway. It had no idea. It just thought, I want to be free, you know. I had to lasso that thing, which took me like two hours. You, you can't, las- if, you don't, if you don't have a horse and you're not a cowboy, well, try to lasso a cow. That, it's gonna really work out. But we got that thing and I tried pulling and pulling and pulling and it didn't work. I had to hook it up to the, uh, to the ball hitch on my truck and drag it. And after a while, it came, you know, when I about ripped its head off, you know, it's like, ah. you know. Yeah, how pleasant do you think that was? it was terrible and then it ran up and smashed the side of my truck just for love you know I was like woohoo but it's our second imperative don't be like that verse 10 God reminds us many sorrows shall be to the to the wicked but he that trusts in the Lord mercy shall compass him about the deal is is we hide our sins because we're afraid of judgment and God says if you're really afraid of judgment then confess them Because judgment is coming if you don't. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. I can tell you right now, mercy has compassed me about. It's a mercy that I'm your pastor. It's a mercy that I get to preach in the pulpit every week. God has been merciful to me. I'm a sinner. You guys know that? Some people go, what's Mark getting ready to say he did? Because we may have to throw him out. Well, I sin. I fall short of the glory of God. I'm a human being. I'm not some exalted one who never has temptation. The Bible said Jesus had tempted. He was tempted in all manner of sin, yet he didn't sin. And he's the only one. There hasn't been another one since then. Just like verse 7, he uses this word in verse 10. Uh, that he used in verse 7. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. In verse 7 it says, Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble, thou shalt compass me about with deliverance. God is like, I will cover you, I will surround you, I will bring you into the fold that is me. There's safety here. You alone in your hiding place, you should just be scared about the judgment that's coming your way. But you let out in the light of day who you really are and what you are, and you confess it, God will surround you with mercy. Verse 11 is how it ends. We're given our last and third imperative of Psalm 32. I call it the trifold imperative because it's like our trifold amen. It's the same thing. You know, we say amen, and then we say amen, and then we say amen, right? And that's kind of like that, the trifoldement. There's one thing that we are told to do, and we're told to do it in three ways. And it's be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. That's what we do. That's why each week we're like, you know what, Foundation Church, your sins are forgiven. Let's sing a song of joy. Why do we do that? Huh? Because It's a joyful thing. The result, the third imperative, is to be glad, rejoice, and shout for joy. That's what confession brings. It unburdens us, and it brings us joy. It gives us protection, and direction, care, and counsel, and ultimately joy. Some of you may be saying, "Why am I sad? Why do I?" You know, as 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 David says later, he says, "Why are you downcast, O my soul?" I can tell you why. Because you're carrying around your sins. And you can be like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress and you can take them off and set your burden down on Christ. Isn't that what He said to do? Jesus said that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fill the law of Christ. But He also said, take my yoke. My yoke's easy. My burden is light. But cast all of your cares on Me. I'm going to read Psalm 32 through once and we'll be done. A Psalm of David a Machel a devotional. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into draught of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And thou forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in the time when thou may be found. Surely the floods of the great water shall not even come near you. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from the trouble, and shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee the way in which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eyes. Be not as the horse of the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrow shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great meditation, this mile, as it was called, in the altar. Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, we would hear this powerful instruction of what we must do today. Not be like the mule, but we should, uh, we should confess, we should tell you our sin and others. And we pray that we would be unburdened with them and trust in you, rather than hiding our sin and keeping it to ourselves. We would bring it out in the light of the day and fall upon your abundant mercy which is new every morning lord we pray these things in jesus name and all god's people said amen Amen. hello this is pastor mark Robinet of foundation church thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.